Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF Public Media's show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, streaming on WUSFnews.org. You can also hear it Mondays at 10 p.m. on Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. This week on Florida Matters, it's our monthly Reporters Roundtable, and we're going to keep the conversation going with Steve Bosquet, Tallahassee Bureau Chief for the Tampa Bay Times, and Zach Anderson political editor at the Sarasota Herald Tribune. So one thing I wanted to talk with you two about was this uh, vouchers for kids who have been bullied at their public school. Can somebody tell me about what that was about? Zach? This has been something that uh, House Speaker Richard Corcoran has really emphasized during his two years as Speaker. He's been, uh, you know, very much a proponent of these so-called school choice measures that uh, allow children to go to the school outside of the, you know, where they are are zoned to their public school, um, whether it's a charter school. Uh, and in this case, he put forward an idea to expand on the state's. Uh, de facto school vouchers. The state already has a number of, of vouchers that um, help students who are uh, lower income uh, if they want to go to a, a private school, or uh, it also helps disabled students. Um, and basically, uh, it allows uh, individuals or companies to divert some of their tax payments to these vouchers before they go to the state. And so he, he proposed another uh, voucher program this year that would allow students who are bullied to uh, use uh, one of these uh, vouchers to go to uh, a private school uh, with the idea that they shouldn't have to be in an environment uh, you know where they're uncomfortable and, and being uh, tormented like that and you know critics of that said basically the, the the state should deal with bullying and make sure that the bullies are, are, are dealt with and so that no school and no student has to um, put up with that. But uh, I think there was a sentiment among some that uh, a child should be able to get out of that situation uh, if they want to. And so they were able to pass through uh, that legislation that allows for that. Uh, and there, there was also another kind of voucher in that bill that would allow uh, students who are struggling readers to get um, private tutoring paid for um, through uh, these programs. And so that if you were uh, an elementary school student who's a struggling reader, you would get some money to do tutoring or maybe some after-school programs or things like that to try and uh, try and boost your reading performance. Steve, did you, did you want to chime in on that? I just wanted to add that this, this issue sparked one of the most intense debates uh, philosophical debates of the entire 2018 session because uh, uh, under the principle of, of, of giving uh, supposedly giving disadvantaged kids better educational opportunities, uh, it takes tax dollars uh, and creates a funding source using tax money. Uh, it is undoubtedly going to face a legal challenge. All these issues do. 
but this really was the signature achievement, this Hope Scholarship Program of Richard Corcoran. Uh, you know, he's he's running for governor, there's no doubt in my mind, and uh, he's going to run as a, uh, you know, a, a hard right conservative in the Republican primary, and this is going to be one of the issues you're going to hear him talking about a lot on the campaign trail this summer. There was also a program to put specially trained armed staff in the schools. Was that in the K through 12 bill, Steve? Yes, that was in the legislation that dealt with the Parkland shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called uh, sentinels, was the term that the, the final legislation uh, included. Uh, however, uh, a, good, a good illustration of, of how things go awry in the Florida legislature, and that is that almost no school districts uh, have endorsed this idea. Rick Scott was opposed to it. Rick Scott had to compromise with the legislature, with his fellow Republicans, and accept a bill that had that provision in it. Um, and it has a training component, um, and this was an, also a priority of Corcoran's. It stayed in the bill, uh, but I'm yet to see a school district. There may be a couple out there that are that are serious about trying this, but for the most part, school districts have, have rejected this idea, and they're not going to have st- school staff uh, carrying concealed weapons. And it's, so it's voluntary. It is voluntary. Uh, the state did provide money for training, um, but uh, there's virtually no enthusiasm for it. And another interesting piece of legislation was that they dealt with child marriages, what they called child marriages. Zach? Yeah, the state, the state uh, you know, has a, a ban on child marriages, but there were some loopholes in it that basically if you were uh, pregnant or um, if your parents uh, allowed it, that you could uh, marry even, uh, and there was children as young as uh, 13, 14, 15 who were getting married uh, in the state through that program. And there was some very emotional testimony from a woman uh, in Tallahassee who I believe was married when she was around 11. um, And she testified that basically she was forced to marry her rapist, who was somebody uh, in her church. And uh, she was just traumatized for life by that. She had a very dysfunctional life, multiple marriages and children. And uh, she kind of became the the poster, uh, you know, individual for this, uh, and spoke at a number of committee hearings. I believe she's even written a book about it. Uh, and so the legislature they did um, move forward and uh, tighten up some of those loopholes. I believe the final legislation did allow for marriages of. Uh, teenagers who were very close in age, I guess they kind of call it like a Romeo and Juliet type uh, relationship, but it would not allow you know younger individuals to be married, and it got rid of the, the pregnancy um, loophole there, and so um, they changed that uh, law significantly. Yeah, I read it was the strictest law in the country on this, on this subject, and that they have to be 17... 17- if they're 17 is the cutoff and they have to it has to be someone who's within two years of their age to marry otherwise it's only they can only get married if they're 18 and, and older so Zach did you watch some of the um, testimony on that on that bill yes I mean that, that's just one of those issues that is heart-wrenching when you hear of somebody um, you know being ba- basically forced into marriage at, at the age of 11 I mean um, the woman who was talking about that I mean it was it was very uh, difficult. And I think that was an issue that really um, became a, a pretty much a bipartisan sort of, I mean, that, that sped through the legislature. I think it shocked a lot of people that people that age 
are allowed to marry um, in the state. And, uh, you know, there there are uh, there were some individuals, some conservatives, especially some religious conservatives who didn't like the idea of of changing this law because they thought it would lead to more abortions if people couldn't get married uh, when they got pregnant. Um, and, and so there were some changes made to the bill to accommodate uh, some of that, like you said, for folks who are um, certain teenagers who are close in age. But for the most part, they, they really tightened up the law significantly. Yeah, I was just wondering if there's anybody who is testifying you know, not allowing 16-year-olds to marry if they wanted to, you know, anybody saying, well, that'll lead to more single-parent families? You know, I didn't hear that testimony, but I do think there were some individuals. And I did hear one lawmaker, Kelly Stargell, from uh, the Lakeland area was talking about this particular issue and that young people, uh, especially those who are close in age, should be able to marry if they want to. And that, um, you know, that this and the the issue I know the issue of of, of abortion and uh, not allowing uh, this uh, exemption for um, women, you know young girls who are pregnant um, could lead to more abortions and that was a concern that was raised. I was surprised that the law about driving and texting did not pass, Steve. Yes, well, um, resistance in the Florida Senate uh, largely, um, where there is a strong libertarian streak. I, I think. Um, speaking of, of gut-wrenching testimony, um, some of the most uh, heart-wrenching uh, stories that I've seen in the Florida legislature in a long time were um, people testifying, people who've lost loved ones because of fatal car accidents involving texting. It's happened to a lot of families in this state. The bill, of course, would have elevated texting while driving to a um, primary offense. Right now, Police need another reason to stop you, uh, to cite you for texting while driving. Uh, State statistics show that um, distracted driving accidents are on the increase. A number of states, uh, Florida is only one of four states where texting while driving is not a primary offense. The other three are, are, I think, are rural states way out west. And so uh, this issue is not going to go away. There's no doubt in my mind that bill, that issue is going to be back in front of the legislature in 2019. Yeah, I think it's kind of shocking to people that texting while driving is not already considered a primary offense. Most people, you talk to them and they think it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, probably people have done it and they realized that they were distracted and it was probably what wasn't a good idea. I think most people, you know, they get annoyed when they pull up in a in a car uh, in, in the car next to them. The person's looking at their phone or they're stuck at a, uh, a light that is turned green because somebody's looking at their phone. And, and I've seen it so many times. I can't I've lost count where I'm driving and I I look over and the driver next to me is looking at their phone. I mean, it is there's I think there's been some studies done that it's it's almost as bad as being impaired on uh, substances uh, that the amount of distraction that you get from looking at your phone and texting and trying to do these things while you're driving. So I agree with Steve. I think that this issue is going to keep coming back and back until something something happens. Um, briefly, I wanted to check on the Constitution Revision Commission. What do you think is most likely to make it to the ballot, if anything, Steve? I don't have a really good sense of what they're doing. That they're, they're, They don't appear to be doing anything that's really um, uh, cutting edge. 
Uh, I, th- I see evidence of what's known as log rolling, which is dangerous. I see them talking about, in effect, merging uh, something that's as popular as motherhood and apple pie with something that's highly controversial and putting it before the voters as an all-or-nothing proposition. Um, there are already five uh, proposals on the ballot that have either been put there by the legislature or by um, so citizens' groups, so you know, a, a grassroots initiative. The most significant being the automatic restoration of the right to vote to convicted felons, uh, except for people convicted of murder or sex offenses. Uh, That's polling in the 70s, which means it would pass easily if those polls are accurate. So this this CRC uh, is sort of in the weeds, and they took an awful long time to get going. Many, many stories about them trying to promulgate their own rules and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's dominated by supporters of Rick Scott and by the legislative leadership. And we'll just have to see where they go. But I don't, I don't see anything uh, out there that's captivated the public yet. Uh, You're not impressed. Constitutional amendment, no. <laughs> mm. Go ahead, Zach. Oh, a few other things that they're doing that, 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 are, probably, that, are, that are likely to get support is uh, a ban on oil drilling in state waters. Uh, that's pretty popular. There's an ethics package that looks like it's advancing that would um, institute, I believe it's a six-year ban on lobbying uh, if you uh, worked for a state agency or, or a legislature. And so that ethics package, I mean, those tend to be popular with voters. They're also talking about putting term limits on school board members. Term limits tend to be popular um, with voters. But in terms of really controversial things that are you know, blatantly um, partisan, it'll be interesting to see if anything like that um, makes it on the ballot. That's it for today. Thanks so much, Steve Bosquet, Tallahassee Bureau Chief for the Tampa Bay Times, and Zach Anderson, political editor at the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. And thanks for joining us. Listen to Florida Matters Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. You can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. If you like us, leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher.